Hey everyone, it's Mike. Before we get into this extra long episode on Harry Potter 1 through 3, I just wanted to let you know that the next month's episode will be on Avengers Infinity War, Deadpool 2, and the MCU and X-Men universe in general. So without further ado, on to the show! In 2007, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows concluded the beloved Harry Potter series. Realizing what a f***ing stupid idea that was, in 2016, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was released, featuring an adult Harry Potter. In summer of 2035, experience Harry Potter as you've never seen him before. Uh, Mr. Potter, it's time for your medication. Eh? Your medication, Mr. Potter. Eh? Speak up, would ya? Just take these pills, Mr. Potter. Oh, Bernie Botts. Yeah, sure. It's Harry Potter and the facility of the assisted living. Hi, Grandpa. We just got back from Hogwarts for the summer. Hogwarts? Did I ever tell you about the time I went to Hogwarts? Yes, Yes, Grandpa. Well, let me tell you, it was no picnic. Mortal peril down every hallway. Basilisks and Dementors. Death Eaters trying to kill you on the way to school. Both ways. Horcruxes and friends dropping dead all over the place. Ah, but those were the good old days. No, they weren't, Grandpa. They sound terrible. Oh, yeah? How much did you pay for that newfangled wand over there? This? It was on sale for five galleons. (laughs) In my day, they only cost a bronze nut. And we used them every day until they wore out because a dark lord was trying to kill us. And we were grateful for it. Harry Potter and the Facility of the Assisted Living. All right, everyone, listen up. We were just having the lawn quidditch game when Harry Potter revved up his classic Nimbus 2000 and took off. How long ago was that? Maybe half an hour ago. Geez, we better catch him. He's going to miss his five o'clock dose of Weasley's anti-wheeze. I wouldn't worry about it too much. See the window there? That's him about 200 feet away. Eat my pixie dust! <laughs> Harry Potter and the Facility of the Assisted Living. Ron? Yes, Hermione? Do you ever get the feeling that you-know-who might come back? Who, Harry? Nah, he's holed up down at the Azkaban Retirement Village. I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon. Alohomora! Aloha, morons! Harry Harry Potter! That's right. I gave the overlords in Azkaban the slip, so I decided to track you two down and lay low for a while. You're looking at your new roommate. Oh, no. I'd almost rather have Voldemort than this. Harry Potter and the Facility of the Assisted Living. Coming summer 2035. This hologram is not yet rated. It's Sacred Cows Tonight! With your hosts, Mike and Pete. Featuring Disembodied Voice Guy. With special guests, Bajaya, Courtney Annie, and Molly. Featuring the Sacred Cows Tonight Band. And now welcome your hosts, Mike and Pete. Thanks, Disembodied Voice Guy. 
Say, disembodied voice guy. Yes, Courtney? Which Hogwarts house would you be in if you were a wizard? What do you mean, if? I had you going. I'm nothing so pathetic as a wizard. <laughs> well, now, let's see. Which one was the evil one? I knew you were going there. You're thinking of Slytherin House. No, no. I'm no Boy Scout. What's the eviler one? Disembodied voice guy, there isn't a house that's eviler than Slytherin. Sure there is. They wear masks, hang out with a giant snake, worship Voldemort. Jeez, you mean the Death Eaters? Yeah, that's it. I'd be in the Death Eater house. It sounds like the animal house, only more fun. Of course, I'd be running the place in a few months. <laughs> okay, bye. Welcome to Sacred Cows Tonight. I'm Mike. I'm Pete. And with us today, we have Courtney Annie. Hi, I'm here. Hello. We have Bajaya. Hello. And Molly. Hi, guys. And we're all here to talk about the Harry Potter movies, specifically Harry Potter 1 through 3. But first, we'd like to talk with our guests about whatever they want to talk about. So, um, which one of you wants to talk first? Tell us a little bit about yourself and something that you'd like to promote. Maybe we'll go alphabetical. So, Bajaya. Yay, I'm first. Um, hi, I'm Bajaya. Uh, I am on your Wizard Harry, the Harry Potter podcast, and on Wintercrest, uh, where... A bunch of fun people play role play as high school kids and get into a bunch of mischief. That's pretty accurate. Pretty That's accurate. Me. Courtney, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you like to promote. Hi, I'm Courtney. I I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I was. Recently on Geekly Inks Random Encounters Norhal feed as Val the High Elf Bard. Very cool. Nice. And Molly, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you'd like to promote. I'm Molly, and I feel like my relevant uh, comment is that I'm going to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter for my honeymoon. That's amazing. My my plug is my um, very terrible 5th edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons podcast, which you should only listen to if you uh, are not easily offended. <laughs> and that is the Dire Weasels. Nice. Thank you for the plug, and thank you for letting the all the children listening to this episode, since it is Harry Potter, know that... <laughs> oh, no, please don't. <laughs> not. What, what do they say... This is not for children, but we only say that so you know that how cool you are for listening to it. <laughs> no, I think ours is a little worse than that, so maybe you should just cut that out. <laughs> no, no, really, you shouldn't listen yeah, to it. Okay. Please don't. Perfect. <laughs> nobody, nobody, listen to that one, please. What? I've had like um, friends and um, coworkers that want to know about the Potter Pod because they have their like kids, or whatever, oh. that listen read Harry Potter and like it. I'm like, no. You should definitely not listen to that. <laughs> it's really not. Don't let them listen. It's the adult version yeah. of the Harry Potter not, podcast. It's not appropriate. What I'm getting from these introductions is that y'all are perhaps more Harry Potter fans than not fans, is what I'm getting. Yeah. Yes. 
you're right. <laughs> so, so we've got some people who come from a place of knowledge for this particular episode. That's fantastic. Okay. Well, I think that's a good segue uh, or a Nimbus 2000, whatever you want to travel on. Uh, <laughs> ha-ha. Yeah. To talk about, like, what was your first experience with Harry Potter? What got you uh, into it? Because you three are uh, Harry Potter fans for sure. Uh, Peter, I suppose you are too. And I have a story as well. So uh, I say our guests go first, but this time you guys can pick who wants to go first. Who loves it the most? <laughs> Fight well, for it. Our, I think we all equally love it. <laughs> let's do reverse um, alphabet. So Molly, go, go Sure. Go. So my first introduction to Harry Potter was through my brother because he was um, two grades younger than me. And I was just like one or two years older than Harry Potter was when it was coming out kind of thing. So, um, but I was quickly enamored with it. And uh, read all of the books um, every year. Every every time they would come out, I would I would read through the series again. So it, it got to be quite a lot. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, as I I'm wearing a T-shirt right now that says the books. The book was better. So I do <laughs> I do feel like the book was better, but I also do really appreciate the movies for what they are. I'm very impressed that they kept the same cast through the whole thing. And really, they, they really brought the Harry Potter world to life pretty well. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Oh, I am also a reluctant Gryffindor. <laughs> oh, why reluctant? <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I like Gryffindor, too. I say you should get with the hero. What's your reasoning? Well, I just, I think I have this uh, very, like, I really respect people who have a lot of bravery, but I don't really see that in myself. So that's why I kind of like, I don't I don't know if I really fit into this house, but. You know, you could be one of their adjuncts exactly. or something. Right. Maybe you're more loyal than. That's... You just want, don't want to say you're brave, but you're loyal and brave. Okay, okay. Uh, well, Courtney, great. What is your first exposure to Harry Potter? Uh, so my first exposure to Harry Potter, I think, was probably from my mom. She was um, she was working at Borders uh, the time these books were coming out, and I was already a voracious reader. I think I was right around the right age when they were all coming out, and um, I don't remember actually if I read the first book or saw the first movie. Like, which came first, because it was very close together. But after that, I think I went to every midnight book release and movie release and dressed up. And I literally dressed up as Hermione like two years ago for Halloween. So that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love nice. It. Keeping it alive. Yeah, I'm, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm a Ravenclaw. I, I lean more on the weird side of Ravenclaw than like the. I mean, I am a giant nerd, but. <laughs> I definitely lean towards the eccentric side. Um, yeah, it means a lot to me. It was uh, the the female characters are very uh, they're varied and um, all very badass in different ways, which is really important to me, especially in books aimed at younger kids. Yeah, yeah. We're going backwards order than uh, Bajaya. Yeah, um, I am also a Ravenclaw. 
Um, I was, I think, in seventh or eighth grade when the seventh grade when the first book came out, eighth grade when the second book came out, so a little older. Um, but I was volunteering at the public library, I think, freshman year of high school, and they kept telling me to read Harry Potter, and I was trying to be cool and not read it. So they're like, all right, just take these audiobooks home. <laughs> and I listened to the first one, and, and then I, like, immediately wanted to read the second one. Um, and after that, I think I went to the midnight release of the fourth or fifth one. Um, and yeah, and I've read all through the series um, many times, and I made my husband watch all the whole series before we got married, because <laughs> I would not have married him otherwise. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So does he share That's your love then of yes. Harry Potter after you made him watch he it? Does, um, he does not, but... Um, I was going to say he does not, while you're around. Yeah. <laughs> he has not read them yet. He refuses to read them. But uh, he did like when I when we started watching it, um, he would say like like the, we watched the first two, and then he the next night he's like, so do you show you put the other one in? Aww. Like he, he wanted to finish it, he liked it, but you know, but he I don't think he likes it enough to uh, want to read the book. Ah, but maybe maybe I'll That's like start commitment. playing it while he after he falls asleep, <laughs> like he listens to it in his sleep. The audiobook, yeah. and then he's like, why do I know that Hermione's always talking breathlessly? Why do I know that? <laughs> oh, well, Pete, uh, what about you? Yeah, um, I came into this series kind of backwards. I uh, I knew about the books, but didn't read them. And then when the movie came out in 2001, I think I probably went and saw it. So I was already an adult at that time. So I was like, wow, 11-year-old's cool. Um but, of course, the series gets a little more adult-oriented as as things go on, so it definitely captured my attention. And then I think around the time that, no, yeah, it was after the Half-Blood Prince came out, I said, all right, I'm going to read them. So, obviously, there was enough time between Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows to read a seven-book series, uh, which is how I did that. Um and yeah, so so obviously I'm Harry Potter's number one fan. <laughs> no, I really do like it a lot. Uh and it's it's a meaningful series in my life, I suppose. Mike, I understand you have a sort of unique perspective on these movies. Uh, could you tell us about your viewing and reading history? Okay, so, uh, yeah, I don't remember what year. It must have been right around the time the first movie was coming out that I um, sort of became aware of Harry Potter. And I became aware of it via my sister, who was, like, really into it. And so she bought the books, and then I ended up hearing from people that... Uh, were also into the books like yeah man you should read them so i remember after my sister finished the first harry potter book i i picked it up and and i read that one and i read the second one and then i don't know i was a pretty voracious reader at the time but i, I just didn't continue it my sister just kind of kept going and going and going so um i don't know it was it was something i shared with her for a while but then you know i i guess i got back into my my whole sci-fi thing if you guys you know know me that's a little bit more more my thing dragon ball z <laughs> probably a little too much of that at the time as well <laughs> or, or evangelion whatever but um but yeah and then sure I, I remember i had seen the first two movies several times um but i had never seen the third one i caught glimpses of like five or something on like cable and then like uh 
like eight part one or something that was was on when I was visiting uh, somebody once. But uh, but yeah, I'd never actually seen the third movie before this viewing ever. So that is shocking. Did you know who the prisoner of Azkaban was going to be? Yes. Or was it a a big? I have dived down a wiki. Okay, (laughs) just checking. I, okay. I was curious enough about Harry Potter uh, a while ago to like because to read spoilers. To just yeah, was on, there any sh- go on a wiki? <laughs> uh, so. so no surprises at all. It no, was... I, I knew. That, see, I did. I knew about characters and stuff, but the only thing that that yeah, this movie did surprise me. In like, I didn't know any of the details. I just knew that Sirius Black was uh, okay. You know who he was basically. So that part was already. But like, you didn't know about. What you he know was? About Peter Pettigrewin. No, I didn't know about any of that. Or they're you didn't trying. No, you were going to get to see. Uh, you didn't know you were going to just get to see Alan Rickman in a dress or anything like that. Nope, nope, nope. No, I didn't spoil that much. It, I just knew the basic outline of the series, and I didn't know. I don't know the ending either. So uh, maybe I'll jump in after this. Yeah, you should definitely finish the series. You're already three in. You know. Yeah, I yeah. really probably five should. Only five more to go. I really should probably get the audiobooks because I drive so much, so <laughs> and just do that. So, okay, now I guess uh, we've all talked about our experience with Harry Potter. I think this is a good point for us to just dive right into the movies. So, listeners, the way we're going to do this is we're going to break uh, each movie down and talk about it a little by little, and we'll do a, a thirty thousand foot view of each one, and then at the end of it, we'll talk about. Um, whether they're sacred and then whether the first three movies are sacred. Because I think it's not fair to judge all of Harry Potter on the first three movies. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah. Although you're starting to get a glimpse, a very good glimpse of what the rest of the movies are like if you watch the third one, I think. Yeah, I would agree. Mm -hmm. But we we will go into that, I'm sure. Okay, so if you haven't watched... At least the first movie, uh, but really, if you haven't watched all three, now's the time that you stop your podcast player and uh, just go watch them. Uh, we'll still be here when you get back. Uh, you know, the beauty of podcasting is it's a little magic box and that we don't age while you do it. Uh, all right. So stop it. Go watch the movie and come back. And we're back. Welcome back, nice. everybody. Now that you've watched nine hours of of, of uh, <laughs> children's TV or movie series and one dark one, how long are these movies? Are they like two and a half hours? Yeah, they're yeah. Long, pretty long. Yeah, the first one's two They're half. considerably longer than many kids' movies that I've been subjected yeah, to. Yeah, I was reading but, that, like, right. Avengers Age of Ultron, or Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers Infinity War is so long, and I'm like, that's the length of the first Harry Potter movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, right? Well, this was the age when... Lord of the Rings was pioneering the three to four hour <laughs> yeah. epic, so everything was this long for the entire decade. Well, Peter basically. Jackson insisted that. Yeah, I grew up watching Indian movies, so they're always three hours long. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Bollywood classics. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. All right, so who. I think there's three of you. There's three movies. Three guests, three movies. I'm just going to sit there. Who's going to do the, <laughs> the first 30,000 foot view for the first Harry Potter movie? Oh, man. I can do it. Okay. I just watched it last night. Awesome. Okay. So baby's delivered to the house. Find out it's Harry later. Uh, We fast forward to 11 years later with his super crappy family. Uh, His aunt and uncle and the worst, the worst child, uh, Dudley. Um, They're... The family's totally crappy. Dudley's spoiled. They're mean to Harry. Um, 
We find out Harry can sort of. Well, we find out that Harry can do things when we go when he goes to the zoo. Um, there's an incident with the snake. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then basically letters start arriving. The parents get mad. They go to this weird ass cabin that, by the way, was like exactly how I pictured it when I read it. Yeah. 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 Um, definitely. And then we meet Hagrid, and there's lots of things that happen, and chopping sequences, and <laughs> mysterious bank vaults, and all sorts of wonderful things. And then we get to see John Hurd's Ollivander, and <laughs> it's hard for me to go to be really brief about this because I just love every <laughs> second of it. I'm like trying to like gloss over things. Well, um, it's good you're you're through the first twenty minutes. Okay, blah blah blah. We get to Hogwarts. We we meet uh, Draco Malfoy, who's a little Boo. bit um, <laughs> immediately established himself as a little shit. Everybody gets sorted. Harry says he doesn't want to be in Slytherin. They meet the fat lady. Um, we see a bunch of his classes. We meet teachers, and they find a secret corridor. They start asking Hagrid lots of questions, which he accidentally answers <laughs> quite frequently uh then i think it's basically the, the the secret corridor stuff so there's a series of tests and all sorts of different things and they left some good ones out of the movie um we find out who has who has the the sorcerer's stone and then there's a big fight and fire and but it ultimately ends up as a happy ending <laughs> yay <laughs> It is a hard it is a hard movie to summarize, I think, because it is you you pointed out right in the middle of it. There's so much setup for everything. I mean, it's like the the actual plot of the movie doesn't happen till the last what one third. Yeah, the plot's not that important. It's just that there's wizard. There's a wizard magic world, yeah. and look how the staircases move, and look how it's the paintings cool. move, and look how nobody turns the pages of their book. They use their damned wands, you know. And they have so much food. So much they have, food. Yeah, right. They sit food. around and eat. They don't do any work. They just wave their little wands around. Why are they all so trim? I don't get it. They have to Ma- walk everywhere. It's a big castle. Ooh, true. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> no cars. I, magic digestion. Digesteramus or whatever the spell would be. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Digesteramus, perhaps. <laughs> Sounds Latin enough for me. Not to spoil too much from the second movie, but it is amazing how much more than one year younger these kids look than they do in the next movie yeah. and sound in the next yeah. movie. So yeah. they're, they're all very little children. And, and the CG is terrible. I'm going to pick up on something that Courtney said. I thought the CG was just awful in this movie, and I understand it was 2001, but it had to be like the biggest budget movie of... Well, okay, no, Lord of the Rings was that. <laughs> <laughs> but in my opinion... Yeah, in my opinion, Lord of the Rings didn't age that well either, as far as the CG went. But yeah, it, that's it one thing I definitely noticed. It did. Yeah, that's true. They used a lot more practical I just didn't effects know it was in Lord of the so Rings than Harry Potter. That's true, but you you could still tell that it was the age where you could tell if something was a yeah. practical effect <laughs> or a, a CG effect. Um, and the kids. I mean, granted, there were kids, um, so they obviously had some great growing pains, but their acting was not good. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that was in my notes as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Daniel Radcliffe has said that he like can't 
stand watching like the first like four movies. I mean, I wouldn't either. Yeah. <laughs> I even noticed that the adults didn't act particularly well either, and I'm not sure if that's just a a symptom of being in a children's movie where they're overacting or if it's just because I feel like later in the movies when they get to know each other they just interact better. They have better chemistry. Yeah, yeah better I chemistry. think like part of that also has to do with the I think the director Christopher Columbus, no relation to the mass murder. <laughs> Um, well, I thought they were the same guy. <laughs> yeah, he's in, he's in a live for forever. The immortal. He's vampire. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, he. Um, I think he was just going for like more of the whimsical feel of the first two movies, kind of keeping it true to the, I guess, the feeling of the kid book, so the first two books. So I yeah. think it might have had something to do with that. Yeah, they should have had a Harry Potter run towards the camera and go. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I remember yeah. the advertising for this in 2001. It was all about like, oh, it's Harry Potter and it's Christmas time. And it was like, let's associate Harry Potter with Christmas because that's when the movies came out, at least the first few. And then also yeah, like, yeah. let's associate Harry Potter with you buying things like all these Harry Potter toys and the Nimbus 2000 broom and all this stuff and Harry Potter at McDonald's and wherever else, you know. Yeah, it was totally, totally like this is a kid's movie. It's a kiddy kid's movie. And I think some of the acting thing might be a symptom of, like, we don't know if that's going to last. Because you know how many kids' movies come out and just bomb and they never make a sequel that they're trying to make a series with, you know? Yeah. Well, I think they spent sufficient money on the set pieces and the costuming and everything else to ensure that this would be a high, you know, a high production film. Despite terrible acting and bad CG. So what's the most memorable thing about uh, this movie for you? I think the food scene. <laughs> and seeing yeah. and seeing Hogwarts for the first time. Oh yeah, yeah. I have two because one's a super random one that is completely just associated with like my memory of this movie and not the actual scene. Mm-hmm. Um but the scene where Oliver Wood is explaining Quidditch to Harry. Mm-hmm. Um not because I particularly like that scene, but because I had an enormous crush on the guy who played <laughs> Oliver Wood. And I remember a friend of mine and I watched that scene over and over again. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, but the other one is the scene when the first years are first walking up the, the stairs leading to the Great Hall. Mm-hmm. Because I've actually been on those stairs. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Um... I got the chance to study abroad, and they're in Oxford, and so, like, I have pictures of me standing on the stairs, so that scene is, like, as an adult now, it's, like, super nostalgic for me, because I was able to see a lot of places where they filmed and stuff. Super cool. I didn't even know that that wasn't just a soundstage, so that's awesome. Yeah, they filmed a ton of stuff in Oxford. I guess the architecture is suitably grand there. For me, I, one of the biggest things that stands out about this uh the harry potter and the sorcerer's stone is that richard harris is dumbledore mm-hmm. and yeah. i i know that Pajai is gonna disagree with me on this but i am a michael gambin dumbledore fan oh no <laughs> curse you molly <laughs> i just i i feel like richard harris is just too nice he's too nice for dumbledore boy we'll talk about that yeah. later <laughs> we'll talk about with that one later. of you 
I'll put it that way. I agree with one of you strongly. Ooh. Just one more thing. The the developing friendship of Ron and Hermione and uh, Harry are is difficult to watch because they are jerks to Hermione for yeah. a long time. And that is just... Especially really, Ron. Yeah. It's hard to yeah, watch. Yeah, but to be fair, she kind of is a jerk in her being so overtly smart in front of their dumbasses all the time. She is. I uh, think it's uh, just her, though. Yeah. She could try to hide it. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's, it's so smart. It's the classic. They're little kids, and like, it's the old trope of like, well, I like you, and I'm going to be mean to you because I like you because I'm a little yeah. kid. And I don't know how to process that. <laughs> it definitely feels like that. Yeah. Yeah, for me, the, the most um, memorable thing was just Hagrid showing up with the Dursleys. And I'm like, I was so waiting for the Dursleys to get theirs. <laughs> and it was great when they finally did. You know, not in a huge way, but... Nah, they basically walk off scot-free after years of torment. It feels a lot like a Roald Dahl book up to that point where, you know, that that's the feeling you get when, you know, like, oh, Harry Potter's life is horrible, his, you know, his... Guardians are horrible, and they are, and you just kind of want him to get punched in the face. Um, but, you know, then he escapes. So that was that was the most memorable thing for me, and Hagrid just being awesome. Things do get a little unrealistic when they move to that tiny little house on the small rock out in the North <laughs> Sea or whatever the heck it is. But, hey, you know, I'm sure they got there somehow. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The thing I like is at the end... And it's kind of a trope in this whole series, I think, is where they're like, well, Gryffindor, you've broken every goddamn rule in this school's entire history. 5,000 points for Gryffindor, you win. Oh, so there exactly like, what the fuck just happened? Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, holy shit. Yeah, Slytherin, oh, sorry, uh, you thought you won, but you suck. And we're going to give Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw more points, too, because fuck Slytherin. Dumbledore's like, it's definitely not because I was in Gryffindor. I'm yeah. definitely not biased at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> Cronyism, what can I say? Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. What else do we want to cover with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? Obviously, we talked about uh, that uh, Americans would, won't be calling it the Philosopher's <laughs> We're Stone. We're too dumb. Yeah. I really like the chess scene in the movie. Okay. Yeah, even though it's kind of like hokey. But uh, the way Harry falls when Voldemort's, like, I don't know, essence, like, flies through him, it's really stupid. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, again, going back to the kid's um, acting skills. That's true. But you didn't fall flat on your back on a stone floor realistically. <laughs> enough. Yeah. Do it again exactly. and again. He's like, ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what do you? Yeah, the the CG for I thought that, for Voldemort was pretty bad too, and like yeah, spoilers. But why? Well, they clearly didn't know what he was supposed to look like. He yet, has a nose. We see him you know? later in the series. He doesn't look anything like that. All right. Did that get? Did he not have a? They didn't cast I, mean, him I don't yet. remember the the first book. Was he? Did he not have a nose on the back of that head in the first book, or is that changed? Did he not have a nose? Did they describe him as not having a nose at all? Really. I'm, I could be wrong, but I feel like that was, like, specifically a movie thing. Huh. That so, he didn't have a nose. He, it, in the book, they describe him as snake-like. And I think what the movie interpreted that as is he doesn't have a nose. He looks like a goddamn snake. Yeah. 
I should get the the shirt that says, I like the book better, where Voldemort had a nose, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, do snakes really have noses? I don't know. Like, not not really? It's more just like a snout? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. As hokey as this movie is, I do still find it very charming. Yes. yes. I think it's yeah, the yeah. whole, like, the, it's the first movie, and it's still magical to me. Yeah, like, I think it. I think it might be nostalgia, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I think the fact that it's it is that way and it's very plot light, kind of like the plot really makes no difference whatsoever. I would say uh, it's world building. I think you said that, Mike, mm-hmm. as we were talking this week. Uh, I think that's really what saves it because that's why you're watching the movie. You're like establishing all of these little five minute chunks of what the wizard world is like, and it's pretty magical. And then they don't have to tell you the, yeah. that Pun crap intended. in the next few movies, you know? <laughs> you just know it. Yeah. Right. What a lame ending. Talking, of course, about where Dumbledore gets an earwax uh, birdie bot bean. No, it's a lame ending where they, they defeat the bad guy, like, in seconds. But it doesn't matter because he'll turn up in the next six movies, too. Spoilers! Oh my god, sorry. He's not really Pause the podcast. I, felt, watch I got a the very Scooby-Doo vibe off of this one. Not uh, just the last. Yeah. Yeah. Where are yeah. you meddling, kids? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me explain my whole plan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. First, let me exonerate the guy that you suspected was the villain the whole movie in glowing terms and then incriminate myself. I don't know if any of y'all have seen um, a very Potter musical, but that's literally all I can think of when I watch these first couple movies, and it's bad. Like. <laughs> I I, I can no longer that. separate. Them. Oh, you should, Vijaya. They are very I funny. Know. I need to. I didn't see that. No, it, I've seen it's Potter funny. Puppet Pal. But not <laughs> that is also funny. Musical. But yes, go go look up Star Kids uh, YouTube Star musical. and watch those. I've been meaning to for like years, and I just not for some reason I just haven't. But they will taint your view of these first few movies for sure. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Specifically, I don't know if I can handle that. Specifically, like, this movie with Malfoy yeah. and Quirrell and Voldemort. <laughs> so that must be a parody. I get it. <laughs> the, I'll, I'll go look that, seek that out. <laughs> no, I think it's meant to be serious. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing, like, obviously not a whole lot of dimensionality to these characters. If you're bad, you're really bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, like the one thing that they um, kind of do is Snape. He seems like he's the bad guy the whole time. Then he turns out to not be the bad guy. This is as much red herring as a child audience can handle. One false lead that turns out to be the other way around. But, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things that once you know it, you they have clues in all of the scenes and it feels like the clues hit you over the head but i didn't notice them the first time i saw them you know i wasn't sitting there apt- actively thinking snape's not the bad guy of course <laughs> alan rickman is the mvp i think of this first movie though i mean oh he's awesome he's acting much better than everybody yes, else he i is, think he is but Jaya, were you just going to say he's the mvp of the series or <laughs> i was going to say in a lot of the movies <laughs> yeah i think i agree yeah. If this is your first time listening, uh, we're going to do our very first verdict for the first Harry Potter movie now and then move on to the second one. We rate our movies as sacred Bovinicus Sanctorumus, which means that uh, they stand the test of time or they need to be put out to pasture. Avarica excommunicado. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Damn, time. that was not a very good. Oh, well, we won't make Pete well, do that we're again. Going with it, okay? Thankfully, our guests get the opportunity to go first. So who wants I to go? I would love to go first. Okay. Just to get it out of the way, I'm just going to call it not sacred right now and hope you guys don't hate me. Explain why we shouldn't hate you. Um, well, I mean, I, I obviously have a lot of nostalgia for it, but I the CG and the uh, bad acting and the very heavily child-oriented, um, it's just such a kid's movie. And not saying that you should not watch the series as a whole or that it is uh, not a good part of the series, but on its own, I do not think it is sacred. I think I would agree with Molly. Same, actually. Oh, wow. Wow, I'm, I'm surprised. So much. <laughs> Molly's like, I thought it was going to be going to yell like... at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike, who wants to go next? I'm going to say not sacred. <laughs> oh, and my reason <clears throat> is just because I feel like I, I've... I saw this a lot with my sister when she was a kid, and uh, yes, I, I kind of had most of the beats memorized and stuff. It just was more of a, a kind of a, a rewatch thing, and I felt honestly there were some entertaining parts, but for me it was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm, there was that, and then there's that, and then there's that, and then there's that. Okay, I get it. You know, it was just going through the motions comparatively. Okay, well, (laughs) let's pretend we live in a world where this is a movie nostalgia podcast and you haven't seen the Harry Potter movies in a very, very long time. Uh, And you were wondering, hey, these still good. You shouldn't skip the first. No, you shouldn't watch that first movie. It's going to bring you right into the world of Harry Potter. It's going to give you that that wonderful, magical whimsy. Don't come for the plot. Don't come for the acting. But (laughs) this is one that you, I'm going to call it sacred, and by sacred I mean you should suffer through this one. Yeah. But if this is the only, if you only have time to watch one Harry Potter movie, you could you could skip this one. But it's definitely sacred. All right, I, yeah, I would, yeah, I, I would never say skip this movie. Yeah. You definitely watch it. But yeah. I. Oh no, I am saying skip this movie, but it's sacred. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> you like this movie and so it's sacred. Without spoiling the others, I don't feel like you could really get into the rest without seeing this one first. Not fully. But, well, look at at my perspective. I came back to these movies after not having seen them for maybe like five or six years. And the first one is definitely very magical. Then I watch it, you know, earlier last week, probably a year has passed. It's like, okay, you know, I kind of know this drill, but still fun to get back into it. All right, well... Now that we've made y'all sad, let's let's continue on to the second yeah. movie. Bummer. It can only go downhill from here. But I mean, Pete no. offers a glimmer of hope. So, uh, who wants to do our thirty thousand foot view of Harry Potter two? What is it? Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Um, Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets. Uh, so, I don't think Harry has told the Dursleys that he can't practice magic at home. So that's kind of like their way of his way of controlling them a little bit, or having some kind of control over his life at the Dursleys. Um, but he hasn't heard from any one of his friends for like the whole summer. And with this one day, the Dursleys are going to be entertaining um, one of Vernon's uh, uh, clients, potential clients, and uh, a house elf shows up at uh, in uh, Harry's room, and he's like, oh. His name is Dobby, and uh, he's very cute and dirty, and 
He has been apparently hiding or intercepting all the letters and stuff from his friends. Um, and he uh, warns Harry to not go back to Hogwarts because his terrible things are going to be happening there. Um, but and in trying to keep Harry from going, he um, drops a pudding that uh, uh, Petunia has been working on the whole night on the client's head. And there's a magical trace on Harry, so they, I guess the Ministry's magical trace isn't that great to know that it was a house off that the, the magic and not Harry, so he gets, like, reprimanded for it. Um, Those poor Dursleys. I know. Anyway, go on. <laughs> he, so Vernon gets really mad, he puts, like, bars on Harry's uh, windows so he can't leave. But then, so who shows up? It's Ron with the flying car, and they pry the, in the middle of the night, pry the bars off of Harry's window and they fly off to um, the burrow where I think it's uh, Harry's first time at the burrow where the Weasleys live and then they go off to um, Hogwarts from there um, and I can't remember what happens they I mean they kind of do their Hogwarts thing and eat and uh, oh no that's not what happens Harry, yeah, Harry can't. Harry and Ron can't get through the platform nine and three quarters, and Ron has this brilliant idea of um, flying the Angelica, the flying car, um, to Hogwarts, which they do, and crash into the Whomping Willow. Um, they get in trouble. They get detention. And in this book, we also, or in this movie slash book, we also find out that um, Harry Potter can talk to snakes. He's a parcel tongue. Um, and they find that out but during a dueling class between a new professor named Gildor Lockhart, who is very good-looking, but also very vapid. Um, he's the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Um, and apparently being a parcel tongue is not a great thing, because only, um, like, dark wizards can do that. Like, Voldemort was a parcel tongue. Um, the, the, the dangerous thing during this school year is that um, there is a creature in the school, there's a chamber of secrets in the school, uh, which is kind of like an urban legend where they say that, um, Salazar Slytherin created this chamber and hid his monster there and his true heir, um, would come back and release the monster upon Hogwarts and kill the muggles. But they're like, oh, of course, it's just a, an urban legend. It's not true. But then like the kid, their kids getting petrified so they're definitely, the chamber is definitely being opened, and the, everyone's like trying to figure out who it is, and Ron thinks it's um, Draco, so they transform themselves with the use of Polyjuice Potion into Crab and Goyle. Um, unfortunately, Hermione gets turned into a cat, um, and then they find out that it's not Draco, but Draco really wants to help whoever it is. People kind of think that it's Harry that's the heir, because he can speak the snakes, uh, which is clearly a sign of a dark wizard. So they're, like, trying to figure it out, and Hermione, even being Hermione, like, kind of figures it out, but on the way back from the library, where she always is, um, she gets petrified along with Penelope Clearwater, a Ravenclaw prefect, I think. Um, and they kind of figure out, with the help of um, Hermione's clues about the pipes, um, that the... Um, the chamber's entrance is in, I can't remember which bathroom, like, which floor. So, um, they 
need to go in there because the monster has taken Ginny Weasley down to the chamber and has scribbled a thing on the wall that says her bones are going to stay in the chamber forever. Um, so they try to get Gildor a Lockhart because he always talks about how brave he is to go down there with them, but he's really uh, a fraud and he didn't do any of the things that he said he did in his books. He just, he's really good at a memory charm, so he tries to get away, but um, the Ron and her, uh, Harry disarm him really fast and force him to go down to the chamber. And it's a giant basilisk with just this giant snake. And you, if you look at him, like if he looks at, or if you look at him in his eyes, you die. So they have to like fight this giant snake. But on the way to the chamber, um, the cave that they're walking through caves in, uh, the roof caves in, so Ron and um, Gildor are trapped on one side, so it's just Harry that has to fight the snake, and, but guess who is also in the chamber? It's Tom Riddle! Oh! Yeah, I know, dun-dun-dun! But how? He is, uh, his memory is captured in that book, and as much as Ginny poured her secrets and soul into the book that made him more powerful... Um, that he could actually step outside of the the diary. Why and how? Don't worry about it. It's never going to come up again. Um, <laughs> so he's like, uh, he has, he takes Harry's wand and Harry's like, come on, like, we need to get her out of here. The, the air or the monster's going to come. And Tom Riddle says, the monster only comes when it's cold. Um, so he's the heir of Slytherin and Harry's really concerned about, like, why he still wants to know information about Voldemort and stuff. And then Tom uh, writes up out his name into air, I guess. <laughs> it says Tom Marvel Riddle, and he scrambles it, and it says, I am Lord Voldemort. What? <gasps> Anagrams are fun. I know. <laughs> um... So yeah, so he's Voldemort, he calls the uh, basilisk out, and Harry, like, can't look at it, so he's, like, running around, and um, Fox the Phoenix comes down and brings him the uh, sorting hat, and which has a a sword, the Gryffindor sword in it, so, like, they fight and run around and stuff, and Harry finally gets to thrust the sword up the basilisk head but also gets pierced by its fang and he's like I'm gonna die now by Fox but Fox cries on him and he realizes that the phoenix steel tears are healing um which is a physical property but being reborn is not <laughs> but Aww. um yeah so they all get flown out Gilderoy's um memory charm has backfired on him so he has lost like all memory he doesn't even remember anything and then yeah, so they get out, and probably Dumbledore gives Gryffindor 5,000 points, and they went. Ew, gross. Let's find I, a school that does not murder us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, already noticed, I already noticed that the second movie, it's like, wait a second. The, they're like, all the kids are going to be in peril. Should we send them home? Mm-hmm. No. You know, if just a few more kids drop dead, we're going to have to close the school. <laughs> but they don't drop dead. They they all saw the basilisk through like a, a filter or, yeah. or a reflection or something like that. So like that's lucky. Yeah. All these. Kids. I think what you don't hear about is the actuaries at Gringotts are saying, "No, you can't close the school. You guys owe us too much money." 
like they are gonna close the school because uh, kids might die or one kid died, but then they don't close the school where kids are almost dying a lot of the times. <laughs> yeah, right. And they're like, but it would be terrible if these kids like had to go home to their safe homes <laughs> where there's no freaky monsters and shit. Okay, th- this is the movie where the other thought I had about the wizarding world of Harry Potter is like, this is like a sm- the wizards are like in a small town where Hogwarts is like high school and like everybody in the small town just kind of lives through the high school and doesn't forget about it. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, every everybody's like the entirety of their personal history is, you know, in some way related to Hogwarts school kind of. Like, oh, I remember when I was there. Oh, you know, so and so taught there and I hear you, Mike. It could just be that I don't know. Like, I don't know. I it just it, I just had a thought. <laughs> no, I think that's pretty accurate, and I think that they almost kind of plan it that way because, or at least it's a easily plausible to believe the wizarding community in England is small enough that you would really know everyone. Like, there is only yeah, one yeah. school that you can possibly go to, so everyone has gone there. Yeah. Yeah, and I understand there's like an American equivalent from. Am I am I right? But uh, we don't hear about it, right? Mm -hmm. We don't hear about them because America's irrelevant. (laughs) My big takeaway from this movie was that the CG is a heck of a lot better, (laughs) but the uh, sword stabbing the basilisk looks as bad as any practical effect ever did. And the kids' acting has not improved very much. No, but their voices have all gotten deeper. Studio must have been horrified when they saw that these kids were aging, on average, two to three years every year. Yeah. Yeah, And all of a sudden, they're teenagers in the second movie. They're like, good lord. I mean, Harry Potter clearly, like, looked like Don Draper by the last movie, you know, with the huge five o'clock shadow. Uh, Well, if you ever get a chance to um, watch the special features... You can hear about the filming and how in England they have very strict uh, child labor laws, so they can only film so many hours in a day. So they have Hmm. to stretch out the filming for 18 months for one movie, and that's a long time. Huh. Strict child labor laws in England? Advantage to America. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. I could have made them here in six months. All seven of them. Yeah, I think they have to, like... Study so many years or so many hours a day. Why do they have to study during a movie about a school? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why do they have to study? They have millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, they won't need that book learning when they're millionaires. <laughs> the thing, this one to me felt even more like a Scooby Doo thing, where all three of our, our heroes were uh, trying to, you know, figure it out, you know, without. Uh, getting caught and oh let's get back to the mystery van you know yeah ron starts to ham it up big time in this movie for sure yeah (laughs) somebody probably told him his acting sucked in the first movie he's like i'll fix that i have to overcompensate (laughs) (laughs) you didn't fix it you just did it different (laughs) (laughs) oh but i i thought this movie overall was a better plot though than than the other one there there was more of a mystery to solve cuz it started at the beginning of the movie after they get to hogwarts instead of you know like at the last third of the film right well they didn't rely as much there was still some of it but they didn't rely as much on 
Ooh, look, wizards do all sorts of crazy shit. Because we already know that. We took a whole movie to establish that. What's this movie? It's Kenneth Branagh. Yes. Yeah, yeah he was so great. Good. He was great. He's my favorite part of this movie. Yeah. He might have I outacted agree. Alan Rickman in this movie. He's the real MVP of this movie. Yeah. I'm just not used to seeing him in funny things, but he was great at, at that he part. Was so good. He was exactly how I pictured Lockhart. Like, mm-hmm. to a T. Well, Kenneth Branagh is awesome, yeah. and uh, it's no surprise that he played the part so well. Infuriating and annoying, <laughs> but perfect. It's so beautiful, too. Uh, I think Alan Rickman still did his typical trademark snarling from the corner very well, as he will continue to do. He was definitely under underplayed in this movie, and that's okay, because it really wasn't his to shine. That was more the first one. Though we do get um, the origins of Harry Potter's favorite spell, which is Expelliarmus. <laughs> <laughs> and there are other spells, Harry. There are other spells. <laughs> nope, just that one. The only one he remembers. To me, this is like he's. Like, uh, this is another parallel. Harry Potter's totally Goku. If you've watched Dragon Ball Z, I mean, he only knows. Goku only knows... Oh, well, here we go again with your <laughs> Harry Potter is Goku. <laughs> but the third one, his Expelleramus, is even bigger, which is like... <laughs> yay! He's so powerful. And I think he goes blonde in the fourth movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. <laughs> Maybe not. He does have a really bad haircut. <laughs> they have a new bad haircut in every film. Is They're okay by the end. Yes, once they're... As we're getting more into the modern era, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. We'll have more to say about hair for the third movie. What did you think of Moaning, Mur- Moaning Myrtle? I thought she was cast really well. I know that, I, I can't remember who the actress is, but apparently she was like in she's, her 30s. Yeah, she is yeah. real old. Um, She plays a really... Hey, wait a minute, I'm in my 30s. <laughs> well, I mean, so am I. But I'm also not playing a high yeah, schooler yes, exactly. No, true. I'm in my 30s too. Yeah, but she is playing like a fifteen or fourteen year old or sixteen year old. So what? What else? Uh, what else? Is, let's just kind of rapid fire go through. What did you like about this one? Um, let's start with the order on my screen. Bajaya. <laughs> um, I think I liked obviously like the character progression. This one's a little darker, but I mean, more, other than it, kind of has the same feel as the first one. Um, because they have the, it's the same director, still kind of like kiddish, um, movie. So I don't, I don't really particularly like, and it's because it's the second one. It's not, you don't, I don't have like the nostalgia of like seeing it for the first, seeing the first movie for the first time and having all those memories. This one, I don't particularly like at all. Okay. Uh, Courtney. Uh, yeah, I think I mentioned it earlier, the the scene with Kenneth Branagh after he has uh, backfired the memory charm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's probably my favorite scene of this movie. I, I like a lot of the Kenneth Branagh scenes where he's just being yeah. over the top and talking about himself yeah. and pausing and stuff. Those are all hilarious. I like characters like that, yeah. The scene with the pixies, too, was really good. <laughs> 
We get to, we get a, a good chunk of Neville being Neville in that scene, which is nice. Yes, I I am also a big uh, Kenneth Branagh fan, but I also want to mention um, we do. I really like most of the adults in this because we meet Molly and Arthur Weasley and yeah. Lucius Malfoy, and I'm a I'm a big fan of Jason Isaacs. I think he's very good in this totally. as well. Okay, uh, Pete. I like Colin Creevy. He's obviously Colin the best Harry. of any of the child actors. Um, hands down. Um, I like that um, the old man Weasley is like super into muggle uh, technology because he can clearly see that a smartphone is better than throwing I have Newton to a cauldron <laughs> and like like doing some divination to like talk to your auntie across the state. Um, so that's nice that there's some muggle crossover there. That's really it. And, and you know, Harry's abolitionist ways really cement him as a good guy in this series, I think. Sure. Mike, your thoughts? I guess I, I liked the, uh, I liked the whole, the tree thing. The, oh gosh, what was that? I forget what it's called. The, the whomping willow. Whomping willow. Yeah. I like the whomping willow yeah. in this movie, particularly. It, it felt like it had some heft and weight to it and, and uh, they were actually in danger. What what with it like beating up a car, um, yeah. but uh, I I think the whole sequence where they're flying in the car and they're thinking, well, yeah, we got away scot free, and then Whomping Willow comes like, nope. <laughs> but uh, and then afterwards, Snape is like, oh, and you hurt the Whomping Willow. It's like what? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a little cute. Yeah, best character development in a tree for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess uh, the only reason I didn't mention anything else is because you guys covered it all, I think. You know, all the things I would have said, so. Yeah, I forgot to say one thing. Um, the scene where Harry is talking to Jason Isaacs at the, uh, Lucius at the end, um, it kind of, like, they make the visual, like, kind of weirdly darker as they talk. It kind of, like, gets darker around their face. So like kind of yeah. you could it, it was really weird like did it get like weirdly cloudy all of a sudden like don't do that it got gritty I think that filtered I think that's what we're going for but I think they missed their mark yeah yeah mm-hmm. they put the wrong Instagram filter on <laughs> yeah <laughs> so is it sacred let's go rapid fire to well, let's start with Pete nah. Just watch the uh, okay, look up on a wiki that Tom Riddle is Voldemort. You got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bataya. Uh No, it is not sacred. All right. Courtney. Not sacred. Molly. Not sacred. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go on the other side and say this is sacred. <laughs> Oh man, are you just are you just <laughs> being so uh, a contrarian or? I I think I actually thought this was a better movie than the first one to me as a as like a whole thing because I don't know I just I felt like it, it was just enough that it it got me in and I felt like it was a better uh, impression of what a Chris Columbus um, one with a serious plot could be um, without beating you over the head with it. 
And I like Gildor Lockhart. I mean, he kind of, that kind of sold it for me. So, uh, but, you know. He should have got a spinoff. The Misadventures of Gilroy Lockhart, yes. (laughs) (laughs) At the beginning of every episode, he's like, who am I again? I think they mention later that he ends up in San Mondo's. Oh, well. Yeah. It got better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Third movie. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay. Who's doing that? Prisoner of Azkaban. I am personally very happy to be uh, <laughs> recapping this movie. Um, I, uh, so, in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, Harry is trying to, wait, oh shoot, let me think. How does this begin, guys? I need a help. He's, he's, Aunt Maud. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Marge. Aunt Marge. Marge. Marge, dang it. He wants to get a permission slip signed, but unfortunately... Aunt Marge is in town, and she doesn't like Harry at all, um, which is really, really unfair. She talks very, very badly about his parents, and he's supposed to just sit there and take it. So he does not, and he gets very angry and blows her up, and she flies off like a balloon. Which is great. (laughs) It is pretty great. Um, He... He is now, he's getting towards the moody teenager age. Not quite yet, but he, he stomps off and uh, he does not put Marge right. Uh, he, he's, he, he doesn't know where to go. He's alone. Um, but luckily, the night bus, which is a uh, public transportation for wizards, uh, comes to catch him. Um, before he gets on the bus, he sees a black dog. It's kind of scary. But um, the bus comes and whisks him away to the leaky cauldron. They go off to school, and um, uh, before they can, uh, Ron's father warns him that uh, someone named Sirius Black is uh, trying to kill him. He is one of Voldemort's followers, and he was the reason that Harry Potter's parents were killed by Voldemort. Um, so, at school, they have uh, uh, one of their main new things this year is trips to Hogsmeade, which is the town outside of Hogwarts, with a little tavern uh, Joke shop, candy shop, uh, very quaint village. But Harry has not had his permission slip signed, so he cannot go. Luckily for him, Fred and George Weasley, Ron's brothers, have uh, swiped a map of Hogwarts, which shows every single person on the map, plus secret passages out of the castle. So that he he goes to Hogsmeade. He they do lots of fun things with. Uh, oh, there's lots more involved with the uh, invisibility cloak. I forgot Professor R.J. Lupin, who they meet on the train. He's the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher because uh, Gilbert Lockhart is gone. He didn't even care to get a whole new wardrobe or anything for his new job. Nope. It's very important we know he's super shabby. <laughs> but you know what he does do? Um, because Dementors are, uh, I'm going back a little bit, 
they uh, they guard the prisoner, the prison of Azkaban, which Sirius Black has escaped from. So now they're going to Hogwarts because they have to protect protect Harry and uh, well, not really protect Harry, really just to get Sirius Black. Harry has a very strong reaction when he sees Dementors. He faints, and so Lupin is always there to give him chocolate and to protect him. Um, him and Lupin develop a friendship over the year. Uh, Lupin teaches him how to defend against Dementors and talks to him about his parents. Uh, he go- he gets sick a couple times. It's really weird. Snape gets uh, Snape gets a substitute teach. <laughs> he tr- he signs them homework. What kind of substitute does that? Hermione is very smart and very busy. She is just hopping from class to class. And Ron is super concerned about this. She, he does not believe that she could be possibly taking all these classes. Hagrid is the games ke- or is no longer the gameskeeper. Now he is a professor of uh, care of magical care of magical creatures. Thank you. He unfortunately um, likes some dangerous creatures and. Uh, Draco, being the bad boy he is, gets injured by one and blames the creature instead of himself. Uh, so, so Hagrid's poor, poor hippogriff, Buckbeef, is sentenced to death. We have two concurrent stories going on right now. Buckbeak's gonna die, and uh, they are worried about Sirius Black breaking into the castle. Then everything happens one night, the same night... Uh, Sirius Black shows up after they uh, go down and comfort Hagrid about Buckbeak dying. Um, he goes and he he starts to run at them, and then he grabs Rong by the leg and drags him into the Whomping Willow. And Hermione and Harry are like, "Oh my God, we have to go!" So they follow him, and then, as we find out later, Lupin follows them, and then, as we find out later, Snape follows them. Mm-hmm. So so they're all there. They're all there in the Shrieking Shack, which is in Hogsmeade, which is the town I talked about earlier. Gosh, this is getting long. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the Sirius Black, he... Oh, he, he showed up, but he was a dog. But now he's a person, because we learned <laughs> that there are these wizards that turn into animals. Um, they're called Anna... Magi. I find that word hard to pronounce. I was watching this earlier with Matthew, and he called them Animorphs. (laughs) (laughs) Just go with what you know, right? Uh, So, uh, so Lupin, Lupin arrives, Snape arrives, and they're all like, what, what are you doing? Uh, uh, Snape thinks that Sirius is going to kill Harry, and Lupin thinks that Lupin realizes, wait a second, I, no, Sirius isn't here to kill Harry. He's here to kill somebody else. And Ron's like, I, I don't know who you're kill, trying to kill. Um, here's just my rat. It's just a rat. It's just hanging out. But no, it's actually Peter Pettigrew, the person who really betrayed his parents, not Sirius Black. What? Uh, what? Uh, and then Harry realizes, wait a second, if we kill him, though, then no one will know that Sirius is innocent. So we're going to take him back. But on the same, same night that Buckbeak was sentenced to die and Sirius Black came back, it just happens to be the full moon. Oh my gosh. Did we know that Lupin is a werewolf? 
Well, he is. So, uh, Lubin turns into a werewolf. Pettigrew escapes. Dementors come attack. Sirius Black gets captured and taken to the back cell where he is going to be delivered to the Dementors. And, um, everything's bad. Everything's super bad until Dumbledore comes into the hospital wing where Harry, Ron, and Hermione are and says, Hermione, three turns should do it. And Harry's like, what? And Ron's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Hermione takes him back in time with her time turner. They relive that same day. They save Buckbeak. They save Sirius Black. And all is well. Can I tell you my least favorite part of this movie? Sure. Sure. Um, <laughs> I also have one. <laughs> I'm going to guess what it is, but okay. Where Harry gets the firebolt at the end and he flies oh. off and it freezes <laughs> on a stage. That is a like, pretty terrible. I for sure. hate that. The worst. That's like an 80s movie ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the worst. But this felt a lot like an 80s movie to me, uh, especially since, you know, the the end of it was Back to the Future Part 2. I thought your least favorite thing was going to be the casting for um, uh, Dumbledore. Oh, yeah. No, so I don't, I don't hate Michael Gammon. Uh, I think if Richard Harris had been around, I just hate that he does the whole, did you put your name in? Oh, in the next movie, but I think if Richard Harris had been around, uh, like if when Alfonso Cuaron directed the third movie, I think he w- probably would have progressed into getting like meaner or whatever darker Dumbledore. Um, I like the Hermione punching Draco part of it. That's great. <laughs> That's a good part. Yeah, totally. It is a good part. I mean, I don't. So I've said this in Potter Pod, but I don't hate this movie. It's just. I think Alfonso Cuaron, he's supposed to be like a really, um, I guess, creative director. I just think he took a lot of creative creative license with this movie and changed a lot of things, added a lot of things, took a lot out. So that's the only thing I don't like about this movie. Before we started recording, my mom called me to tell me, not to just to tell me, but she told me, oh, Prisoner of Azkaban, that was my favorite book, but... I just shook my head in the theater because of all the things they had changed. So I I didn't remember that specific fact about it, but it sounds like she's on the same page. Same. Hi, Mom. Same, Mom. Same. You don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like the book a lot, but yeah, the movie was just a lot of changes for me. I remember despising this movie when it came out, like... I, I remember going to see it with a bunch of my friends and us just like ranting in the car the whole way home because we were so mad about it. Because this is my favorite book of the series. And I remember being like about every aspect of it. The scene with the Dementors and the lake makes me crazy in the movie because it's supposed to be a lake and it's a pot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a lot of little things like that that he changed in the movie from the book that just like took me out of it 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 just felt so drastically different i also didn't like the little talks um lupin and harry had i just i i know that they did it because they needed to use it as a plot like moving the plot forward device but i just it was just weird to me because they don't. I don't. 
I am on a different page. This is one of my favorite movies of the whole series. So I, oh, I besides you and Sarah, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> besides Deathly Hollows Part One, that's probably like my favorite, favorite, favorite. But this is this is definitely two or three. I love Lupin. All of his scenes, they are fantastic. He's so good actor whose uh, name yes. escapes me. And totally. I, I really think that they missed out on keeping him in the the movies because this is really his his big movie. I, th- I think it's it's just so sweet because Harry needs a he needs a father figure and Lupin's there. Well, he was back for what Order of the Phoenix, right? Yes, but yeah. not not very long. Um, Dumbledore, can we talk about how um I just don't really. The the transition they made to the new actor, I didn't bother to remember his name, and I won't. Uh, it, he's just so very, very different from Richard Harris, who's like kind of a doddering old feeble individual. And then this new guy comes around, and he's just completely different, got a really strong voice, got a really, you know, deliberate movements and stuff like that. I just don't know if I could see if Richard Harris had lived him playing the role into the the subsequent movies Uh, but the role might have been differently portrayed i suppose i felt like this dumbledore was a hippie dumbledore kind of like i mean he wasn't like oh way man cool but you know he just had that whole just aloofness about him he was definitely more spry obviously than richard harris but i don't know it just kind of like i don't feel like there was as much effort into it is that no and i mean there there's there, no, there's cer- certain, I, I think, uh, well, at least I, I, I hear that some people might blame that on the fact that Michael Gaiman doesn't care. He didn't, he didn't watch the movie or read the books. Like, he does, he's not a Harry Potter fan. So I think that a lot of people hold that against him. And, like, maybe he, he's not as into the material as everyone else. Yeah, he said the only reason he did it is because his grandkids asked him to do it. I just remember when Richard Harris died that the casting was like, everybody's like, it should be Ian McKellen. <laughs> yeah, I remember Let's that. have Gandalf be Dumbledore. Come on. But uh, typecast as a wizard. Yeah, that would be a little too much for me, I think. I actually, I thought this movie was more interesting, but I, since I haven't read the third book, I can't, don't have a, a point of comparison, to be fair. Um, but like from an artistic standpoint, uh, Okay, from an artistic standpoint, it was less interesting because I felt like it was like a, a Tim Burton movie. Just like, let's do what he did, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but with Harry Potter. But from like a plot standpoint, I thought it was way more interesting. You know, there was a lot more ambiguity to things, you know, with Sirius Black and uh, Lupin and, and all these things. You're like, well, if I'm following the formula from, because this is my first time watching it, following the formula from the previous Harry Potter movie, then the new professor is not necessarily to be trusted, but he's not necessarily an awful person either, so we don't know. And then, you know, kind of ended up being sort of a a three-way um, um, standoff thing, you know, and then Harry figures it out. So I thought it was more interesting than, than the rest. And it, it left more power, I think, in the hands of um, of the kids than than was before as far as not just like oh i have the mis- magic mysterious power to defeat this thing but i actually have to figure out how to defeat this thing way more 
This movie kind of sets the visual stylistic feel for the rest of the movies, I think. It's like the the transition didn't happen. It's just all of a sudden this. And yes, it, it feels like they're going with a gimmick, but that gimmick persists the rest of the movies. I would say, I mean, the colors continue to get more and more washed out. Like, is there even color in Deathly Hallows? I can't remember. <laughs> Besides corpse light. Yeah, not Like, there's, else. like, black, white, and, like, a, like, dead gray glow. Doesn't it? Or something. Okay, I, I, having just seen part of that movie, doesn't it end up being just, like, a gray-green, you know, palette? Kind of. Yeah. It's like watching it's the first Gears of like, War. <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe. Um, I haven't seen it in well, about a year and a half now, I would say. But yeah, it, it feels like this is the tone for the rest of the films now and the kids are getting older and angst is starting to happen, but doesn't really get crazy until Goblet of Fire, which is the next movie. That's like ultra teen angstiness movie right there. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is kind of the the bridge to the rest of the series. I think this movie is new Dumbledore, new style. Yeah, because the first Harry Potter movie to compare was super colorful. <laughs> it was for the kids. This is the one where parents started saying, maybe this isn't for the kids. Yeah, yeah. The last, the last movie with the spiders, I definitely remember being afraid of those giant spiders. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Me too, yeah. and I was 21. Was the and, I did like the, the spiders on skates. Snake. That was good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the basilisk. They tried yeah. to lighten it up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I'm going to talk more about how much I like this movie. I really love the soundtrack. <laughs> I think it's great. I also have a really soft spot for the development of Ron and Hermione as a relationship. Like, because I was never a Harry Hermione person. Oh, me neither. So I, I liked that they were just like, nope. Cutting that off now, Ron and Hermione. I do like the scene where they think that they're chopping the hippogriff's head off and, like, Hermione clutches into Ron's chest and, like, Harry goes into, like, Kappa, like, side of the back feel. Like, like, I don't know what the hell that was, but I laughed out loud in the theater. I remember that. When I first had to watch this movie for... um, Potterpod, I remember going in to be like, oh, I hate this movie, I hate this movie, but... Um, I realize I don't hate it as much as I thought I did. I hate certain parts of it. I dislike, I guess, certain parts of it. Hate's a strong word. Um, but, like, I don't like how they did the whole Peter Pettigrew um, situation in The Shrieking Shack. I think it was, like, overacted. It was very dramatic. I have mixed feelings about Gary Oldman, actually. He was just, like, I... I I like him in general. I just, I think it's like a personal thing. Like in my brain, I pictured Sirius a lot, like the way he moves and acts a lot differently mm. than he was in the movie. And I don't, and I remember like being so attached to that character. And I don't think I've ever fully like <laughs> accepted that Gary Holden is Sirius Black. Yeah, I don't think he is what I pictured either, but I kind of like the fact that he's he's really not that prominent in the movies, luckily, yeah. so we don't really have yeah. to see him all that much. That's that's a good point. He, they, I think they picked him because of him playing so many classic villain roles or, you know, almost villain roles in, you know, the 80s and 90s. He could play anything, well, basically. Yeah. But, I mean, he he wouldn't really get his, his defining, like, uh, you know, comic booky book role until you know the dark knight series 
But, you know, Gary Oldman comes on the screen and you're like, ooh, I guess I don't know if he's going to turn out to be a good guy or a bad guy. So Alan Rickman's still the MVP here, I think. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. I mean, he can just sit and look with his <laughs> lip slightly curled up at you and be like, give this man best supporting actor. I, I just, uh, I, I, I get like emotional when he is like protecting the kids. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, Snape, you're wonderful. <laughs> I think Buckbeak is the real MVP of this. Oh, yeah, that's Buck cool. Beak is excellent as well. No, that's some good CG. That he ends up being important. I like the guys on the night bus. The night oh. bus sequence is oh, one of yeah. my favorites. Ernie, that's and good. The driver yeah. is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Stan, is that Yep, Stan Shunpike. Yeah, Stan Shunpike, and the driver's Ernie. That I wasn't sure when I saw that scene. I was like, "Why is this scene?" I don't remember that in the book. I'm sure it was in the book, but um, I think that scene was drawn out and played for laughs a lot longer than it was probably strictly necessary to do. Not to say I didn't enjoy it, but um, it felt like a sketch comedy show, like in the front of it. Let's let's put this big sketch comedy thing with Harry Potter in it. Let's do that, and then <laughs> then we have the movie. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying that was that was fine to me. Yeah, it's like Monty Python, Meaning yeah. of Life. They got a little thing at the beginning. Okay, so Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Is it sacred? Is it not sacred? Let's go with Courtney first. Uh, okay, as much as I read that, I do think it's sacred. I think it's important in the, the scope of the series. It, it definitely sort of sets the tone for the rest of the the movies and stuff. It's just personally not my favorite. I agree with Courtney, I think, well, and I also really like the movie. But um, it is sacred. It's very important to watch before the uh, rest of the series, and I think it stands up on its own. Um, also, well, I guess this is unrelated. In an unrelated note, I do kind of feel bad about saying the other two are not sacred because now I'm kind of thinking, man, maybe they are sacred. But anyway, <laughs> go go ahead. Um, I I am gonna go in the middle kind of because I think it's a very important um, part of the series, um, and the acting was well done and kids are getting better at it and <laughs> it's a lot darker to go along with the like the storyline i just don't like the changes that they made but i mean that might just be a personal preference because i love the book so much that i think that it should be very tailored to the book but i mean people like molly and sarah love this movie so i think i guess it's sacred and i'm grudging saying it's sacred acceptable we can say sacred with qualifiers for you then <laughs> there you go right so coming into this movie as a first time viewer i'm going to say this was sacred i think um it was uh one of those movies where i since i hadn't seen it before i uh i had a little bit um uh, of expectations knowing obviously there's several after this so I figured it had to be pretty good, and I guess uh, my expectations were mostly met, also because I haven't read the books. So um, I just thought that uh, it kind of set up the, the that there's other things that that uh, Harry can get attached to people, um, animals, you know, things like that. It, it it managed to world build at the same time 
that it did exposition, whereas like the first movie was all exposition and little world or a little um sorry, it was all world building and a little exposition. Uh, and and the second movie, you know, was sort of on its own. But I think this one sort of expanded the world and and got you that there's there's more out there and sort of sets up the stakes. I think um, coming up, sort of a preview. Um, only thing I didn't like again was like I felt it was the the whole tone and stuff like that. I really didn't like what they did to the to the, to the Willow in this one. I thought it was kind of a there was some funny jokes that the Willow had in in the in the movie as the seasons were changing, but otherwise I thought it was kind of a toothless Willow compared to the one in the second one. So I was definitely going to call this one sacred. I mean, this is your uh, your gateway to the rest of the series, basically, and like uh, mentioned before, everything acting and and uh, cohesiveness and plot and all that it's all getting better and starting to be more you know of what you're going to get and the ultimate high stakes that this series takes you to are, are just getting set up here. So sacred. Yay. Sacred all around. All right. All right. So the, the third movie, all sacred. Even though Bajaya was like, F this movie. <laughs> I was going to say, should we actually up? listen to Mike though? Cause he said the second movie was sacred. Ah. <laughs> no, he shouldn't. <laughs> He's got a unique perspective. We'll just say that. Just I, I, kidding. So the this first trilogy of the I don't know what is it. There's nine movies because this last one's two parts. Seven books, eight movies. Oh right. Okay. Mike can't count. That's why you can't count my, <laughs> my for the second movie. Um. Okay. So as a whole, as a cohesive unit, as, are the first three movies sacred and and worth your time? Yes. No. Of course. Yes. Totally. Okay. <laughs> Obviously. Okay, then I think, I think unanimously we said, okay, there's problems with one and two. Mike is wrong on two. Uh, and three everybody liked as far as like this is what's coming. So great. We're, we're all uh, saying mm-hmm. sacred. So. Sacred. Oh, yeah. and you should also watch the other Harry Potter movies, too. That's where the yeah. payoff yeah. comes it in. It is. Lots of payoff in the end. Uh, so. the, the hair and book, our movie for, is just Ooh. 70s. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And apparently it's totally acceptable to have kids go to a, like, a tournament to the death yeah, and stuff that like too. that. You know, this is the wizarding world sounds unsafe. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. Okay, so with that, uh, we're going to take our little break. And then we will come back and uh, we'll do our, our, our questions in closing. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we've still got Bajaya, Courtney, Molly, Pete, and Mike here talking about Harry Potter 1 through 3. And here's some questions from the Twitterverse about these movies. Are you guys ready? Yeah. 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 All right, let's do this. The first set of questions comes from the Matthew M. Morris, uh, friend of the show. First question. What is a better magic candy than what is in the movie? Do you think Willy Wonka has a place in the wizarding world? That's the first question. So compound question. Who wants to answer that one? I'm going to go ahead and say probably because he seems like he doesn't care about what happens to kids just like the magical world doesn't care about <laughs> that is an excellent point i feel like he probably taught defense of the defense of the dark arts yeah. at some yeah. point 
He's okay with enslaving that small creatures well. through chocolate. Yeah. You're right. God, so many parallels. He's eccentric yeah, I think he's... like wizards, and he dresses like wizards. So yeah. sure. It almost feels like he is canonically part of the wizarding world. <laughs> Very easy. Well, yeah. He would be destroyed by the Weasley Candy Enterprise, oh, yeah. though, and quickly fall from grace. Oh, That's true. It's going to be like bagging panhandling and bagging. <laughs> Probably a nocturne alley, not bagging. We'll make chocolate for food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, our second question comes from Ashley. Oh, no. Another friend of the show and... Uh, she asks, what would your ideal Hogwarts course schedule look like? Oh, man. Ooh. Mine would just be like care of magical creatures like all, all the way through the day. <laughs> That's the only do slack classes. Like the kind where you wouldn't die or be petrified <laughs> or, you know, blown up with a potion. So none of them. I guess I'd skip. I'd get expelled as fast <laughs> as I could. I think I would like uh, potions, probably, or defense against the dark arts, maybe, a little bit, just to see what's up. I think I would like transfiguration in um, charms better than defense against the dark arts. But that's, again, also my Ravenclaw side coming out of me. That's literally what I was about to say. Like, all of that. (laughs) (laughs) I personally, I, I feel like, I actually feel this way, I towards like harry potter sometimes like the character himself like he has this opportunity to go to hogwarts he was a normal everyday person and then he gets to go and then he slacks off in class and it's just crazy like what so i would be hermione and i would take every single class Harry Potter's had everything handed to him you have to remember and so he doesn't appreciate any of it <laughs> it, it kind of feels yes, like I- that he has that Potter privilege. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like the doctor would be all over Hermione using time that way. Jeez, come on. <laughs> also, they they seem kind of willy nilly about the yeah. time turner rules. We just mentioned yeah. that earlier, and it's only when Dumbledore thinks it's they should use it. <laughs> yeah, it's only Dumbledore <laughs> makes rules. And they love to make rules that Gryffindors break and get lots of points for it. Indeed. See, she could just use the time tuner over and over and over, and there'd just be a fleet of Hermione's, like, uh, you know, attacking something. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Fleet that sounds Hermione. legitimately terrifying. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> Hermione's the only one, like, running the ministry. She's doing all the positions. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, our next question comes from Adam Bash. He asks... What Harry Potter about? How can he be child when all wizard are always sarcastic old man? Does he have sarcastic talking black cat and two hip aunts like Sabrina? I mean, there is a cat. And there is an old man with a beard. Yeah. And Sabrina herself was a teenager, so why why can't Harry not be teenage or a kid? Exactly. Sabrina can point. be kid. He can be child. Yeah. I felt like this was one step. <laughs> so, Adam, he can yeah. be child. This, uh, this question is one step away from how is Harry Potter formed? <laughs> <laughs> what is Harry Potter? Okay, we, we have one more question. It's from the Matthew Morris again. Um, the Matthew. <laughs> it, 
She may he may I be hear his fan fiance is fantastic though. Yeah. <laughs> she may be on the show. <laughs> he Matthew asks, Yo, why are all the wizards so dumb about muggle life? Like even Harry has spent most of his time life around them and he doesn't know crap. Is Harry the dumbest person at Hogwarts? Yeah. Yo. <laughs> okay. I added the second yo for effect. It is <laughs> it, yo, it's established that Harry is very stupid. Um, yeah. But even Hermione, like, and low motivation. So they don't use uh, Muggle stuff because a lot of them um, don't um, function well around magic. Is what I have discovered from my research. Yes, indeed. But there, are, I'm sure there are like some things that would make their life easier. Totally. Smartphones. Google. Instead of having to go through Google. the library. Yeah, right. like A library to dig through dusty tomes that might eat yeah. you. I did notice that there was a guy, and I had never noticed this before, but at the Leaky Cauldron in the third movie, there was a magic user uh, reading Stephen yeah. Hawking's A Brief History of Time. Really? And I was like, huh, that's like the only other, mu- or only other wizard I've seen give a crap about Muggle yeah. anything. Well, besides uh, yeah. Arthur. Yeah. Well, I feel like they're just kind of snobby about it. Like, I think they're just biased. Mm hmm. What? Not gonna stir my coffee with my hands. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I just remember, I remember reading an article about, like, um, it was about this series and it was also about um, Game of Thrones and something else. And it was like, all of, oh, Lord of the Rings, all of these worlds where they have magic existing and doing something with it. Um, they get stuck in like an old time. There's no reason for technology to advance when you have magic that works. So that's why the muggle world is so separate from their world. You know, so why, mm-hmm. right, why would you start? Yeah, everything's still Victorian yeah, and stuff. Exactly. But at the same time, they, it takes them a while to look through the library for like a spell, like especially in book four when, Sorry, my, spoilers, Mike, but they have to... I won't say exactly what they are, but they have to look through the library for, like, specific set spells or just the things to complete these tasks, and they are just, like, combing through books where if they could just be like, how I do this thing. Okay, Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Google Nicholas Flamel. <laughs> and then it reads, yeah, Nicholas exactly. Flamel is an alchemist, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Oh, I think I've heard that name, actually. I, I, somebody may have spoiled part of that for me. No, that was from the first... Oh, first, that was the sorry. first yeah. movie. Yeah. They could have just Googled that. Uh, yes, it was spoiled when you watched the movie. <laughs> no, it's all good. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> That's all of our questions uh, about the Harry Potter series one through three. But if, you know, you have any other questions uh, about any of this stuff, you know, feel free to tweet at any of us here. And hey, Bajaya, how can people get in touch with you? Hey, Mike, thanks for asking. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ethnic Ninja, and I'm always happy to talk about Harry Potter all the time. All right. Courtney, how about you? Uh, you can find me at Courtney Annie on Twitter. That's Annie with a Y. And I also will always talk about Harry Potter. All right. Molly, how can people find you? You can find me at MollyMM9, and that's with uh, Molly with an IE. I I uh, concur with my fellow uh, hosts. Please talk to me about Harry Potter. I'm no tweet Pete at not wheat Pete. Uh, 
Feel free to Twitter at me so my wife can tell me to fire up the PC and check it. I've always liked the worst witch better than Harry Potter, but I'm coming around. (laughs) You can talk to me about Harry Potter. (laughs) I'm on Twitter at White Morph. Um, Please don't talk to me about Harry Potter because I probably won't know what you're talking about. Yes. You could don't spoil it. For don't don't use it as an opportunity to confuse me before I get to get the rest in my brain. So, <laughs> um, but you can find us, uh, our podcast at Sacred Cows Pod. Uh, we'd be happy to talk Harry Potter with you. Um, disembodied voice guy might answer some of them. Why not? Uh, he occasionally gets and scares our uh, interns and takes over. So, um, yeah. And then, of course, if you have any sort of long-form questions or movie suggestions or, or whatever, uh, you can email us at sacredcows at heroofthewebcom or sacredcows at heroofthewebcom It's all the same to us. Uh, with that, uh, good night, everybody! Sacred Cows Tonight is a production of Sacred Cows Tonight. Executive producers Mike and Pete. Sketch portions of this episode were written, edited, and produced by Pete and performed by Bajaya, Courtney Annie, Molly, Mike, and Pete. Main portions of the episode are edited by Eli Ramsey. Want to contribute your sketch to Sacred Cows tonight? Email us your script or proposal to sacredcows at heroofthewebcom That's sacredcows at heroofthewebcom 